Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome, everyone, to the Rebuild Our Church podcast, the Janie and Angie show. We are so blessed to be with our special guest, Dr. Mark Miravalle, and he has had an incredible impact on January and myself and also my husband. I am indebted to you, Dr. Miravalle, for the man that my husband is today because of his being a student of your teachings and your work for, for several decades. I know the impact you've also had on January's life. And so before we dive in and, and share more of your story and who you are and the gift you are to the church and the world, we'd love to just open in prayer and give this time to our Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Abba Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and praise you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of our faith. We thank you for the gift of uh, this time together that you could truly enlighten our hearts, that you would enkindle uh, in us the fire of your love and help us to understand the gift that we have in our mother, in the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the role in our, that she desires to have in our lives and in the church and healing our broken church and our broken world. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to truly be our honored guest, to lead and facilitate this conversation, to open our hearts, to hear your word, that it might bear fruit in our life, in the lives of those around us. And we entrust this time through your maternal protection and intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, we pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dr. Miravalli, we're so honored to have you join us today from Ave Maria. Uh, and um, truly, uh, there's just no words to speak to the, the depth of the gift that you are to the church and, and how you've impacted so many. Dr. Miravalli is uh, a has his doctorate degree from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome. He is currently one of the leading Mariologists in the world and currently holds the St. John Paul II chair at uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville and um, is leading one of the most important movements right now in the church uh, via Vox Populi. Hope I'm not pr pronouncing that correct. You can, you can teach me and, and coach me here as we dive in. But truly, Dr. Miravalli has been unpacking for the world the four Marian dogmas and also trying to usher in the fifth Marian dogma, which is who Our Lady is as co-redemptrix. And it's always important to distinguish that co doesn't mean, uh, it means with and not equal to. 
and um, and the role that Our Lady has here in in the third millennium, this age of Mary. And so Dr. Miravalli, through his classes um, at the university, through his numerous books, I think well over 20 books, is that correct, Dr. Miravalli? Um, he's an international speaker, world-renowned, and has truly uh, a beloved son of Our Lady who is trying to be her messenger in the world to draw each of us uh, back to our mother, uh, who is going to heal the brokenness, not only within our church, but within our world. So Dr. Miravalli, thank you again for making the time to be with us, to be with our, our audience, and uh, helping us to usher in the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Well, I thank you so much, and Jenny, and for your kind words. I, I just, if I could just begin by saying, I think the work that you ladies are doing is absolutely anointed. I think there is a massive gap, particularly in the Western world, for exactly what you're doing with the woman's school and with rebuilding the church. And, and so I, I couldn't help but thinking during your very kind introduction that uh, a line of an old president, I won't mention who he was because he wasn't necessarily on the right side, but he said after a, a long, generous in introduction, he said, you know, that's an introduction that my father would appreciate, but my mother would actually believe. <laughs> and, and it testifies to the love of, of mothers, the, the affirmation of women. So I, I, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, what, what you ladies are doing I mean, I, I pray that you can see the fruits. Um, certainly you will from heaven, but I pray that you'll see the fruits in this life of the babies you're going to save, of the marriages you're going to heal, of, 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 of the people that are going to return to the sacraments because of what you're doing. Because I would say uh, if there's anything that is desperately needed, especially not exclusive, but especially in the West, it's the gift of woman. And I say that very comfortable in my male skin. Uh, this is not a, uh, it, it's not a, a putting down of the key role of men. It's just the science of our times and the state of the present that the world needs a mother and the need, and, and, and both concretely and locally and in that present way uh, and also universally. And that's why it's an honor and a, and a privilege for me to be on your program because it's so completely uh, it's complementary to declaring the need for a mother universally, uh, just as there's a quintessential need for for a mother in every single home. So anyway, for me it's an honor, and I and I I really uh, I thank God for the work you're doing. I know the Holy Spirit. And Our Lady, you're inspiring and guiding your great work for the church in the world right now. Oh, thank you, Dr. Mark. And I'm going to sit here just to honor the fact that I sat in Dr. Mark's um, classes, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago. And, you know, it's amazing that <clears throat> through your work of Our Lady, I am, as you speaking, how I didn't have a relationship with my own, you know, mother as a just a wound but also a gift which i sat there in awe that our lady was real i really didn't know and um i had several classes with you and really when i look back that was my introduction of who she was which is i see now this is why the woman's school was born 
and the fullness of the circle. Really, I just kind of thought about that and that Our Lady has been orchestrating this for years and through my own suffering. And um, it's what a gift, you know, just a fatherly love sitting there. And all I could think about when I think of that school, I mean, class with Dr. Riley is that how much I laughed. <laughs> and I and, and, and truly, I, I think, you know, because I think that what the gift that I brought in for you brought was how real I think the doctrine and the church and Our Lady was that I was reading and the human person. And so the incarnational experience, I think, um, was in some degree the reason why I'm here in the woman's school, which I don't know what God is doing. I think he's crazy. I tell him that all the time. I'm in my eighth baby. He's trying to rebuild, you know, the woman's school, which I think is a Joan of Arc dream of being able to say, can we redeem the church of the formation and the heart of women? It's so bold. I think he's crazy. And 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 now here you are 20 years down the road still teaching me so i just want to honor you and i'm sorry for being emotional i typically don't honestly i just think the holy spirit is totally healing me it's 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 such a total gift i i couldn't help it as you were you know speaking you know and 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 you know for the mothers that are out there and for the women who are out there who have not had the blessing of um of a positive mother experience that's a reality you know, as you're talking, Jenna, all I could think of was uh, John Paul II and how St. John Paul II uh, lost his family at such a young age. His mom, not, of course, she wasn't extremely loving. In fact, uh, there's a new possibility of a cause open for her. But, but still, it was, it was a mother and father deprivation in terms of age um, at, at a very early age. And, and, and in a certain sense, I think the Holy Spirit sometimes makes us all the more understanding in light of the gap of the value, right? Of, of the positive. So, and again, I, I say this just with great peace, but look at what you've done, January. Look at what, you know, so you didn't, you were not blessed in that way. And you redoubled uh, both in yourself uh, and in your mission uh, motherhood, you know, what what a beautiful thing. Uh, and and then sometimes one wonders if, if you weren't coming out of that that gap. And again, we always thank God and praise God for the gift of mothers and and the positive. And and we want that for everyone. But but look how beautiful. Sometimes it's it's out of the out of the void, uh, a great fullness and a great peace uh, come. So um, so praise God for the great work you and, and Angela. I have done with this. Um, and I, I do, I mean, Our Lady is so, I mean, can you imagine if one of your children had an experience uh, where they didn't have what they should have? You would, you would, you would double the effort, right? You, you, would, you would double the response. Well, that's what Our Lady does too. Um, and, and, and she also blesses where there has been an experience. So um, the, 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 the truth, the grace, the healing, of our Lord Jesus simply comes through her and, and how, how wonderfully appropriate. Yeah, it's mercy. That's what I keep thinking. And um, Bishop Barron, uh, no, Father Mike, no, Bishop Barron, he said sometimes Our Lady's so, no, it was a divine mercy. And he said, Our Lady is so good that somehow she makes a path that plan B becomes better than plan A almost. And that's really the mercy of God. And so, 
Anyways, I wanted to identify the goal for us today because I think that's beautiful. Maybe Catherine's here. Is that, you know, Dr. Maravalli, I would love for just our audience to sort of bring it all to an understanding of what is our, our lady's role in context of today's culture? You know, the, the I, I think I would say the abuse that women have received from all many different reasons. When I say abuse, it means that we, we've forgotten who we are. And I think our role um, in our formation as women through Our Lady, because I find that, you know, in the 21st century, Our Lady sometimes um, becomes almost um, hard to um, put into context, you know, because I, I remember looking at her and I think I could never be her, you know, like I'm not that quiet. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just have this image of our lady and it's, it's really, it's, it's really having to learn that I'm a her daughter and, and that parts of me reveal her virtue in a different way, but I'd love for this podcast to make her so real in today's culture and you know we've got questions but that's our, our goal is our lady's role in the new evangelization to the formation of women so maybe we can start with a question here i'm looking is that you know um what do you think is the crisis right now that you're seeing in our church dr Mary? where is our church hurting and what do you think the kind of healing that maybe perhaps we could begin to to have conversation with in our church yeah surely january if I can, I want to I want to first uh, thank Angela for bringing her baby on, because, you know, I, I'm reminded of, of Edith Stein who says, you know, women have the gift of the particular, men have the gift of the universal. Um, uh, a man might say, uh, can someone take the baby? A woman says, oh no, that's my baby, that's my first responsibility. Just hand me my baby. So thank you, Angela, for, for manifesting dynamic motherhood right now. It's, and I tell you what, what a gift. I mean, there's whatever we say is secondary to the miracle of that little baby. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's our eighth sacrament right there. So anyway, so so I just thank you, Angela, for, for manifesting motherhood in its proper order. So thank you for celebrating that with me. I'm so yeah. grateful. Yeah, she's, yeah. Our, she's our incarnation of God's merciful, tender love. So. You know, I used to have a, a parish priest, an old Italian parish priest. He said, if my parish is silent, I know my parish is dead. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear the kids. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it really gets to your question, January. I mean, what kind of, of people of faith would we be if a child distracted us instead of graced us? You know, so anyway. Um, so to the question of, of society, I mean, it's and the crisis in the church, it's, it's multifaceted, right? But if we had to get to the heart of it, we know that the family is the heart of both church and society. When the family breaks down, uh, the church and society will have its breakdown. And then if you want to get more specific, it starts with faith and marriage, right? It's because um, when the basic bond of man and woman in Christ for eternity, for, 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 for life, when that's attacked, everything that depends on that is attacked. So I would not say that's superficial or simplistic. I would say it gets to the heart of the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, if we talk about sociological things and don't bring in the adversary, I also think we're not doing credit to the danger of the present. Satan hates families. Mm. Satan hates marriage. Now, if I could point out, ladies, that Satan knew from the beginning that if he could get the mother, if he could get the woman, he would get the whole family. Mm -hmm. And that's why he went after Eve. And quite frankly, it was brilliant in its perversity, and it was very successful. He got Eve, and by getting Eve, he got Adam, and through Adam, the family. So in, in, a, in a perverse way, Satan himself understands the, important of, the importance of woman in the family, because that's who he went after. So as God is making all wrong things right with Jesus, the new Adam, it, it, it's very important that we understand that the role of Mary is not extra. It's, it's not the cherry on, 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 on the top. It, it's not a nice addition. It's essential for righting the wrong. So, for example, you know, the fathers of the church would say that God showed his power by taking the same three things that had us lose grace and use those to restore grace. So a man, a woman, and a tree. So Adam, Eve, and, and of course, the tree of knowledge, good needle. Well, the new restoration of that is Jesus, the new Adam, Mary, the new Eve, and the tree of the cross. But I bring it up to say, don't for a moment think that Mary the woman's role is non-essential. That would be a grave mistake. Is it primary? No, the, the role of Jesus is primary. But to say that, well, he didn't need her, not only did he want her, but God the Father had her as an integral part of restoring the family. Mm. So if you want to bring that today and really get into your, to your question, January. So. Where's the crisis? Well, it's a multi-form, but let's focus on one that's pertinent to what we're talking about. The perverse wisdom, if we can use that expression of Satan, continues today. Satan today knows if he can get the woman, he will get the family. So what is he whispering in the ear of woman? Things like, your vocation as mother is really second tier. Your, your vocation of mother is because you really couldn't make it in the world. So uh, when people ask, what do you do? Do, uh, you know, you should, this is again, the adversary, right? You, you should hold back because you really don't do anything, right? Your husband does it. Your husband makes the money. There's nothing you really do, uh, you know, and sometimes I'm just a housewife. Ladies, I would say this. I'd be happy to hand over my doctorate to the woman who properly answers that question, because here's the, here's the proper theological answer. Well, what do I do? Well, my role transcends every other vocation in the world except priesthood and the religious life because I conceive nature and nurture God's images, and he didn't entrust that to anybody else. That's the proper theological response to, oh, and what do you do? So those are lies from the adversary whispered into the ears of women today. Sadly, because there's not the other support of faith, women are accepting those lies. 
So women's are they're they're putting careers first. Um, they're they're saying they're they're getting an image that to be a woman means I have to do really what a man is supposed to do. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna gauge my femininity based on power and how much I can bench press, and that's not feminine. That's not what I mean. You can bench press all you want. That's that's fine. You get the idea. You don't find womanhood by trying to do what the men do. That's part of the lie of today. So it's not the only crisis, but it's of the greatest crises of the church right now is when women get lost, men get lost, children get lost. And, and that's why what you're doing is so quintessentially important and, 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 and anointing, really. Thank you, Dr. Mervali. That is probably a great theological explanation. I'm going to copy that so I can respond to my husband. <laughs> no. Theological, I learned. I feel like I'm back taking notes in college. <laughs> and, and Dr. Mervali, too, to expound upon that point, I think women have been entrusted with forming society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, men in their genius are forming a lot of the structures within society. But when women abdicate their role as the primary formators of culture and society, the fruit is what we're seeing today. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. And, and too, within the balance of these, comp, you know, and the complementary uh, nature of this, and it goes back to Mary. I mean, a, a non-Catholic British historian uh, said that Mary was the principle of civilizing Western civilization. Wow. Why? Because Mary brought in a dignity that comes with the word lady. So, I mean, today we use, you know, lady very loosely, like, hey, that, hey, lady, or even she's a bag lady. No, lady is domina, uh, which is the feminine version of dominus, which means lord, the lord and the lady of the castle, for example. Lady is a term sublime with dignity. And it's Mary that brings that into Western civilization. It's also why properly understood. So we're facing, and again, I think to do any service to our listeners, we got to take the tough questions too. Pornography, you know, this pandemic, which is happening. Why is it in a certain sense, even worse when women give in to pornography? Uh, and let me say, obviously, in the proper disclaiming, men are completely responsible to maintain their dignity and not to participate in this. But why would I say it's worse? Because women have always been the protectresses of society, as Angela mentioned. When they cave in to this, so it's the woman who's called in a special way to help the man with his gap, with his weakness, to tend to be too physical, uh, sensual in a selfish fashion, not intimate in those elements. So it's the women to help, it's the woman's task to help him. Remember, this is a personal encounter. This is not a pleasure goal. This is a personal. But if the women lose it, men don't have, don't have a chance. So it's not to take away responsibility from men. Uh, it, it's to say, my gosh, women cherish how you are, again, as, as Angel said, you're protecting society. You're forming, going back to Edith Stein, men have the gift of the, partic- of the universal, you know, the bigger structures. Uh, and, and neither are exclusive, right? One dad said to me, 
Uh, oh, you know, we see this every Sunday morning. We see the different gifts. Dad is saying, it's quarter to 11, get in the van. Mom is saying, is your hair combed? Well, there you go. Universal, being on time, hair combed personal. God wants us to have both. But if women lose the personal, men don't have a chance to regain that on their own. I say it not to give more responsibility to women, but, to, but for a greater appreciation of their role for society. And that's really, I feel like, what I think the heart of the mission is, Dr. Morelli, because what I'm seeing just through both research and observation is that our domestic church is really suffering. What I mean by that is, you know, how many marriages are together, but how many marriages are happy together? And I'm also seeing a, a huge influx of, of um, you know, just children not being able to fully embrace our faith. And I think that it's a, it's a sore subject because I think women are doing the best that they can with what they, they've, they've been given. I, I sincerely believe that because our world dramatically shifted in the last 30, 50 years, perhaps, with, you know, sort of the movement, the feminist movement, that all of a sudden we're kind of left without a mother. And what I mean by that, our mother is there, but we had no formation because our mother was trying to understand how to become a woman in context of this new world that we live in, where the attack, the confusion, the lack of formation. And so most of us are getting blamed and shamed for the choices nobody ever taught us how to make. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing right now is that we so, you know, and specifically in the Catholic space, I would say, we want to be good mothers, but we don't know how to be good mothers. We want to be able to love our children and form them, but how, you know, and I remember sitting through my theology classes with, with Dr. Hahn or just, just these great truths about the Catholic church that I felt like I would levitate and just, wow, why doesn't anybody see this? But I remember in the back of my mind thinking, but how do you communicate that? How do you live that? How do you talk like a woman? Because I had no role model. You know, how do you, when you say Domina, like how do you elevate the conversation like a woman? And I felt like I was scrambling for some kind of model formation that would guide me. And so what I'm seeing right now, you know, in women is that we're suffering because we just want to know how. And I think that, you know, we're, we're depleted, we're exhausted and compounding that with a false narrative and not knowing how motherhood has now become a place of depletion as opposed to life. We're popping life, not giving life. And we're giving life we don't have. And so it becomes sort of a place of, of resignation, of resentment, of regret. I suppose this life um, giving a reservoir as Our Lady intended it as women. And you know what Shanita Stein said that women are um, meant to be a pillar of hope in society. Is that right, Ange? Am I butchering it? And Yes, one of my favorite um, summations of, of one of St. Edith Stein's points is that as women become whole, we become a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Women have that capacity to see the hidden burden that others are carrying and to walk with them and nurture them. And, and, and literally, as Jenny said, rather than just popping life, able to bring forth life and cultivate life, even in the most brief encounter. The particular, in the particular. And right. so that's, I think, the question that I'd love to ask you, Dr. Marvalli, is that, you know, we are, we, are, we are in need of formation, which is really what we translate in the women's school. It's, it's a life of receptivity, right? Where we're able to receive growth, nurture it, 
for myself and give it right back, that the purpose of receptivity, generosity. And so how do you see Our Lady in context today? Because this is why we have the Women's School, because, you know, we're just answering a call and we don't know all of God's fullness of his dream here, but that we can, in some very practical level, give women practical tools, such as managing your kitchen, managing your mind, understanding the connection between mind and emotion exercise. I mean, these rhythm of life that's so Benedictine. How do you see our mother right now in context of the most practical, basic, I think, I I don't know if the word is lack, for us that, you know, we're, we're scrambling, you know, to try to find. And the media, the, the world is telling us a lie, but we don't know where to find the truth that's incarnational. What I mean by that, I want to know how the kitchen is done. I want to know how to, I talked to a man where I had this girl who I was working with and she came up to me and she felt so bad that her husband was in pornography almost to a point that she couldn't hold him accountable. She, could, she didn't have eyes of accountability as a skill. And it was a disordered way of seeing her husband's pornography, you know? And so, I don't know, maybe we can make sense of sort of where a lady is not just sort of an added bonus, but where she does exactly become the, the, the fabric of our own formation. Sure. Well, um, as you know well, that would take several books to write, um, and at least Amen. 10 years of classes to, but, but listen, I hear your passion, I hear your points. Maybe I could just make a couple responses to that. Um, the first is, how'd we get here? Yeah. Uh, and we got here, in, in, and these are broad strokes, but there's truth behind them. We really got here because of the 70s, which was called the me generation, right? So. I was trying to be, you know, dad was trying to be personalized. Mom was trying to find her fulfillment. Well, who gets lost in a me generation? Kids. And so you have a whole then generation who have not been affirmed. There's a basic principle, even of healthy psychology, that a child will not experience his dignity unless at least one person reveals to him that the one person will sacrifice everything for their benefit. And now, ideally, it's wow. two people, but at least one person has to say, you are so worthwhile, I will give my life for you. Mm. When the kid receives that, then they say, okay, I'm whole enough to start thinking about other people. Mm-hmm. I'm whole enough to get out of myself. But if that doesn't happen, they're never fully free to do what we call fraternal charity, right? Mm-hmm. Love of others, because they're always asking the question, am, am I worthwhile? No one's told me I'm worthwhile, or even they told me, kids are wonderful, especially as they get older, annoying, words are cheap. No one showed me I was worthwhile. No one said to me, I will give up everything for you. I will love you, I will pour myself at you. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's you know, it's like the difference between presence of, of TS versus presence of CE. You're not talking about a bunch of acts that have to be ideal. It's, it's the CE presence. You have given your child the greatest gift you can give, which is your time. However imperfect that be, you've given them your life and you told them that and they get that. And then gradually 
Once they get that foundation, they can get out of themselves and say, okay, you know what? I should start thinking about others. If that doesn't happen though, it's a huge anthropological, psych psychological gap or, or wound. And again, I, I say at least one person because ideally it's, it's mom and dad. The reality today is that doesn't always happen. It often doesn't happen, but at least one does. So at least with a traditional sense, it's mom in a special way in terms of time, right? Because if you're talking about a traditional sense, the dad is out of the house more. But mom is saying to that kid, you are absolutely transcendent. I do give myself to you and I will give you my greatest natural gift, which is my time, my presence in that sense. So when you have a whole generation called the me generation, where that doesn't happen, uh, and this is probably several of, you know, of your parents, they don't, they're starting with the gap, the gap you talked about, January. They're starting with, I'm not even sure about myself. How can I be sacrificial to someone else? Yeah, because no one sacrificed to them. That's motherhood. That's the untold gift of motherhood. That's the natural level. So we are still uh, uh, in, in a major way reeling from the 70s because then you have you know, the, the generation of the 90s and, and then we start talking about these millennials. Well, why are these millennials so selfish and they don't know? Well, what did they inherit? They didn't inherit anybody saying the world, every kid is a Copernican revolution. Every kid should think the world revolves around them, mm -hmm. at least initially. And then, of course, they have to get beyond that, right? You don't want, our goal is not to raise metaphysical brats, but it is to say, you are so worth my revolving around you. As they get older, they, they get past that, right? So you've had a whole Western generation that never experienced that. And then, so there's, there's, uh, there's such a lack of, of uh, understanding who they are. Now, that's on the natural level. So now let's kick it into the supernatural level. If you combine that with an age that fundamentally does not accept that we need grace, okay? we, we, we can do it ourselves. Uh, the, the, the Western world in general is looking to the blood of Christ and saying, no, thank you. I don't need, the, I don't need your redemption. I'm fine as I am. You know, there was a book Ironically, also in that same year called I'm okay, you're okay. I had a professor over at the Angelicum and he said, you know what St. Augustine would have said about that? He'd say, I'm not okay and you're not okay, but it's okay because of Jesus. That's the reality, right? I mean, don't we have people even now saying we never want any act of inequality ever to happen again. We never want any act of racism ever to happen again. We're never, 9-11 will never happen again because we're going to guarantee it with government. It's not possible. Why? Because of original sin. Laws mm -hmm. don't prevent that. This is something that, that we've inherited as a people. If we don't accept grace, we're going to have child abuse. Mm -hmm. We're going to have uh, spouses cheating. We're going to have racism. We're going to have abortion and human trafficking. So the supernatural element that has to be part of this is we have to say we need a redeemer we can't do this on our own i'd even exert this i mean extend this to our present situation uh we're not going to get out of today's mess i mean right now 2020's mess through a great book through a un decision 
through a, a world leader with insight. And if we do, be careful. It's not going to do it. We have, we're going to get out of this through the Holy Spirit, through Our Lady. So I don't want to dissertate too long here. I'm simply saying, you know, to your very poignant question, January, that there's the natural gap that we got from the 70s. There's the supernatural gap we now have because we're rejecting faith. That combination leads to not only, you know, we used to be a Protestant country, right? The United States. Then we went post-Protestant. Now we are post-natural law, which means we don't agree on a basic right or wrong. That's why we have people talking about pulling statues down of Jesus, because he's a white European. So, and I, I go through this, not to discourage, but just as a reality check. Yeah, moms, January, you were talking about how moms feel so shamed and get, look what you're inheriting. Yeah. Look, at, look at what's coming to you. Mm -hmm. the, the proper response should be, thank God I'm as sound as I am <laughs> in light of this situation. Thank yeah. God I'm doing as well as I'm doing in light of the, the global and local nightmare I kind of inherited. Right. Because that's the reality. And with that, we have real, true hope. Yes. And, and, and so, you know, you were talking about how, you know, there was a student in January, probably about the time you went through Franciscan. And there's no reason for us to get specific about numbers, how long that was ago, January. We don't have to worry about those things. But I couldn't ask, put their hand up and said, why, and, and Angie, you'll probably appreciate that since you're, you might have been your husband, but anyway, why did the church not come out with an encyclical on dating? Mm. Why did we have an encyclical that said, how long should you date? How long should courtship be? How long should, and the answer is because there's an endless list of specifics that you can't answer to those things, right? There's, how old are you? What's the circumstance? What's your past? So in a real sense, we want to get real practical, but there's also a wisdom that says, let's get the principles right. Mm -hmm. And let's trust that the Holy Spirit through Our Lady will help us to incorporate those principles correctly. Where do we get the principles? We get them from the prayer and sacramental life of the church. Mm -hmm. Once we get that, then healing can happen also on the natural level. Um, there's an old a French expression which says, God forgives quickly, but nature doesn't. And it means if there's, a, if there's a wound, an emotional, psychological wound, don't expect that to go away after the first confession and, and receiving Holy Communion. It will take time. Yeah. God will heal, but it, uh, but it will take time with that. So. I guess what I'm saying, and then I'll, I'll pause and let you ladies contribute instead of this massive monologue. Um, we have to do heart surgery to our daily planners. Mm. And that means we have to make sure that we have both the supernatural goals and the natural goals as part of the day. That might mean, and the reason I think it's heart surgery is that means things like television are going to have to go out. Things like we probably are not going to have a lot of extra time if we do the right prioritizing. So what does that mean specifically? Of course, we've got to be praying the rosary daily. And I, I, I can't emphasize more strongly how we have to do that as families. Because St. John Paul II says, if you pray the rosary as a family, you get the courage to look each other in the eye again. Hmm. And what does that mean? That means the whole rest of the day, 
we're oftentimes not looking each other in the eye. They've got headphones, they're on their computer, they're doing their other thing. They're all in the same room, no communication, no exchange of heart, no personal, no feminine. And so the rosary, John Paul says, when you pray that family rosary, you begin to communicate with each other. The, the family of Nazareth brings in healing and strength. I mean, can you go for 25 minutes holding a grudge with the person sitting rosary next? You can, it's just hard. So, so we, we, we've got to do a, a real surgery to our daily planners. And that means we've got to get, make sure we get the spiritual in and, and people have to make their own call within Catholic spirituality, what they can do. If you can do daily mass, love of God and his mother, please do it. It's the gift of the day. Some absolutely cannot, and we hear that too. But make sure it's not a problem with planning priority if you're not making it to daily mass. Bringing your kids to mass, here's another lie from Satan. I mean, you're not getting anything out of the mass because you can't listen because you're taking care of the kids. The kids aren't getting anything. This is a waste of time. Bringing your kids to mass or bringing your kids to adoration is like getting sunburned. If you're there and the sun is out, it will happen. When you're bringing your kids in the presence of our Eucharistic Jesus, you will get sunburned. They will get sunburned. It's not a matter of what you're saying and they're saying. You're in the presence of Jesus. That's all he needed in the Gospels, right? People getting miracles by touching him. They didn't have a long conversation. So we can't get Cartesian about holiness. So I would say as your two pillars, the Eucharist, as much as you can, bringing the family for an adoration hour once a week is, is, is a tremendous gift for Jesus and for your family. Uh, the Eucharist and Our Lady, I think, should be the pillars of our family spirituality um, and then that helps to heal the natural, the relational, the personal, the communication. Wow. Dr. Maravalli, that, I mean, that's, that's a mic drop right there. And I think so much of what I'm drawing from what you've so beautifully articulated, even in identifying the crisis and the root of that crisis. And if we could look at the past 100 years that have been, you know, the bloodiest and we, uh, more martyrs have happened in the past 100 years than the past 19 centuries combined. And in the midst of that, we've also seen the intentional takedown of our education system, our, our food, our nutrition, our, our medical system, I mean, all the major institutions, including even our beloved Holy Church, feel like they've been infiltrated from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And in the crisis of women today, again, if we look back over the past 100 years of women have been, ex been fighting for liberation and, and praise God, we do have the right to vote. You know, women can hold incredibly high positions in politics and academia, you name it. However, in that pendulum swing that you so beautifully articulated, you know, we've almost become like men. And I feel like with our lady right now here in the third millennium, we finally have the opportunity because we have the foundation of the philosophy and the theology, thanks to our beloved St. John Paul II and Edith Stein and others, to understand the theology and philosophy behind woman, to actually walk into who God intended us to be in the world. And I think that's the brilliance of what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through your teachings and in and through January in the woman's school is giving us the how-to, the foundational building blocks, the mindset and skill set training to actually become that woman after Our Lady's heart in the world. 
in and be that sign of contradiction. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak to that a little, Dr. Miravalli, just reading the signs of our times. Um, you know, you have, you've done so much to propagate the four Marian dogmas and, and help the world understand who Mary is. And, and in a sense, as we understand Mary, especially for women, we come to un understand and know ourselves. Yeah. And that's one of the deepest things we try to do in the context of the woman's school is understand our, our self-image and our self-worth. Yeah. It's just great, great point, Angela. You ladies are giving me such uh, critical questions. I'm glad that I don't have to think too much because you're, you're so guiding this discussion. Uh, so thank you for that. And that's just a great question. So, you know, two quick points. One is the more we understand who the Blessed Mother is, then the more we necessarily understand a, who Jesus is, and B, who we are as members of the church. Uh, that's why oftentimes converts accept Mary last. That's a tribute to Our Lady. That's because if you accept Our Lady, you accept the fullness of what it means to be Catholic. If you accept Mary, you don't have a problem with purgatory. You don't have a problem with the communion of saints. You don't have the problem with the need to cooperate with grace. It's all in her. And that's why, you know, uh, to tell a very brief uh, story, I had a, a theologian, uh, young theologian, asked me to go speak at, the, at his college, you know, this is many years back, and he confessed when he picked me up from, from the car, he said, well, yeah, I want you to speak to my students on Our Lady, but I really want you to speak to my wife regarding Our Lady, because she's a Protestant, her dad's a, a minister. I said, sure. So we, you know, we went over to, to, to his, the dinner, and and we talked and we went through all the dogmas and then we went to the presentation, talked, we went over the dogmas. And so this gentleman called me a week later and said, uh, you know, thanks for coming out. Yeah. I said, oh, by the way, how are things with your wife? Oh, I said, oh, never worse. Never worse. She is so much farther away now because she knows all the truth about Mary. Well, about nine months later, she entered the church because you have to present the whole truth about Mary for them to really become Catholic. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the story of Kimberly Hahn and Scott Hahn. So um, the truth has to come out. The, the Blessed Mother brings the truth forward. Now, if I can, the, the four truths about Mary, uh, number one, that she's mother of God, number two, that she's uh, the perpetual virgin, number three, her immaculate conception, number four, her uh, assumption into heaven. If you notice, and they're all beautiful, sublime truths, right? If you notice, none of those speak directly about how Our Lady is mother to you. Mm, that's a great And so they all are the foundations, but in a real sense, without a fifth truth, those other become very abstract. Mm -hmm. And so the fifth doctrine is, uh, which has been, really in the church from the apostolic days. I mean, in the second century, there were three continents teaching that Mary was the new Eve before we had the term Trinity. Mm. And it doesn't mean that obviously our lady is never more important than Trinity. It's nonsense and blasphemy, but it just shows you how, how early they understood Mary as the new Eve. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the three ways Mary is a mother, I think Angela, that's what also leads women today to understand what is essential about motherhood? Mm -hmm. So the, the three essential aspects of Mary's relationship to us is number one, she's the mother suffering. Mm. She's the mother 
who suffered on our behalf. Now, most women identify this very quickly, right? Uh, the suffering of motherhood starts, you know, sometimes very soon after conception, something called morning sickness, right? And then it goes on and, it, and then and you have something called labor. Uh, and then it doesn't stop after that. You know, you have, um, you know, various occupations, you have answering machines. When was the last time you used an answering machine when your kids called you at three in the morning? It doesn't happen. It's, it's a 24 hour gig for years and years and years. And, you know, being a father of, of eight, uh, obviously true parenthood doesn't stop the suffering when the kids are grown. You know, it takes on a different nature, right? So mothers suffer for their children. That is our lady's role as the human co-redemptrix. Co, as you well articulated, does not mean equal. Co means with. And, and notice this, how comfortable we are with saying we're co-creators with God, right? Mm -hmm. Beautiful thing, co-creators with God. Now, no one says, no, wait a minute. You think you're equal to God? No, no, no. We're, we're just co-creators. We create with God, right? Okay. And then we're comfortable with saying if a bishop is confirming our children, well, he's co-sanctifying with the spirit, right? Isn't that wonderful? So why do we have a problem with co-redeeming with the son? Mm. it's we're, we're working with Jesus. we're cooperating with jesus to save souls any single parent who has said one hail mary for their children is a co-redeemer straight up because you're helping that child make it to eternal life you're helping save that child or for any other reason so mothers number one suffer for their children number two mothers nourish their children what mother would say, okay, I've given labor. Now you're off to the side. Here's, here's a bag of diapers. It, it's yours from here on. Okay, I've done my part. Mothers nurture. Um, they form. They love. They affirm, as we talked about before. If that, if that doesn't happen, if the child in the first five years doesn't receive that affirmation, and some psychologists say even earlier, it will be a lifetime chase to get it back if it can be obtained. That's the untold, sublime, quintessential gift of motherhood. Mm. You're giving that child a deep existential affirmation of his being where he knows he's or she is good, not based on what they do, but based on who they are. Mm. That's the existential gift of motherhood. So mother nurtures. Our Lady nurtures us, as the Second Vatican Council says, in the order of grace. That's why she's called the Mediatrix of all graces. She's a mother to us in the order of grace. I had one very insightful mother come up to me after a, a, a talk, and she said, you know, as you were talking about Mary's Mediatrix of all graces, all I could think about is the model of when I breastfeed my children and how all of us have to have the humility to go to the breast of Mary, mm. receive the gift of sanctifying grace. Mm. I thought that was a beautiful metaphor, mm. beautiful metaphor. And it takes humility. Padre Pio's favorite image of, of Our Lady was La Madonna de la Leche, the, mm. the, the breastfeeding mother. Mm. As is right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you go, exactly. And, and that's, that's the grace. So that's part two of what mothers do, right? Part three, 
is mothers protect and defend. I, I, I read years back a case of where a young man was working on his car and the jack gave way, it was a small car, the jack gave way and, and fell on him. And his mother in her 50s ran in and lifted one side of the car enough that the sun could shimmy out. And she was not a mother along the lines of Arnold Schwarzenegger. She was just a mother packed with adrenaline at that moment because her child was in mortal danger. It's the only consistent example in nature of a creature turning and fighting its predator is a mother defending her offspring. So it's deep and it's powerful and it's beautiful. That's what mothers do. Mothers defend and protect, they intercede. That's what Our Lady does. That's her role as the mother interceding, the mother pleading. That's her role as advocate. And it's been her role since the second century. It's her first title is her role as advocate. So, so what do we have, ladies? We have these three manifestations, very concrete, but very profound. The mother suffers for her children. The mother natures and nurtures her children. The mother protects her children. That's exactly what Our Lady does for us in the order of grace. That's why a hundred years ago, a cardinal from Belgium, his name was Cardinal Mercier, during World War I said, we need Our Lady to stop the, 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 the trial, the existential. Uh, World War I is hard to describe historically because it led to a society of despair. It's in art, it's in poetry, it's in architecture. All the, the, the nihilists entered because no one could believe a whole world would go at war with each other. So Mercier said, we need Our Lady's intercession. If we, if we declare this truth that she's the mother, co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate, and for Mercier, it was also her spiritual motherhood, mediatrix, then and only then can she fully exercise those roles on her behalf because she won't force herself upon us. Grace, like love, has to be freely received. So we have to acknowledge, we have to freely proclaim this truth that she's our mother in all three of those ways of dynamism. And then we can expect a historic release of peace. Well, some 30 years later, Our Lady appeared in church approved, the local church approved apparitions in Amsterdam, calling for a definition of her role as co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate. And it's rather remarkable because two years earlier, in 1943, the Dutch bishops consecrated Holland to Mary, asking for peace under the titles co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate. Wow. So it's like Our Lady, when she's invited, especially by the bishop, she comes. She comes with a fervor. She comes with a power. And so she comes to Amsterdam in 1945, and through a period of 15 years, she not only confirms what that cardinal had said back in 1915, she says it is a condition for world peace. That until Our Lady is solemnly defined as the spiritual mother of all peoples, co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate included, until that time, 
we will not get the peace that the world needs, the peace that was promised at Fatima, for example. Remember the promise, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph, a period of peace will be granted to the world. This is not gonna happen until a mother's role is acknowledged. And that's how important that dogma is. And quite frankly, that's how important what you ladies are doing. You're restoring an awareness of the critical importance of motherhood, both domestically for the lowest basis of society in the church and also universally with Our Lady. Mm -hmm. Heaven's not going to change the condition. Heaven's not going to say, well, okay, you don't want to grant her. You don't want to acknowledge her as mother. Well, we're going to try something else. We'll wait. We'll suffer. Possibly more tragedy, which is never the way heaven wants to do it. But Our Lady's motherhood has to be universally acknowledged by our Holy Father in a solemn definition. Then and only then will we have peace. So it's always both and, right? It's always Our Lady and it's always what you ladies are doing. It's always both and. Um, the power of the mother for the universal church is the power, and I use that word in, in the proper sense, not how the radical feminists have abused it. No. I mean, the real power, the power of sacrificial love of yes. what you do in your homes is irreplaceable. Heaven's not going to say, okay, well, mothers are, are taken off. They're getting more jobs. We're going we're gonna to have some other way. We're going to have the oldest daughter pick up that role. We're going to have the dad. Do it. It's not going to happen. What we're going to have is family tragedy. Mm -hmm. We're going to have family breakdown mm -hmm. until your motherhood is acknowledged and Our Lady's motherhood is acknowledged. And that's why what you're doing is so important. And Dr. Miravalli, again, that's just mind-blowing and, and so beautiful and so powerful. And as it, I, I, even, I love to kind of always step back and gaze at our Lord's timing and his providence. And I, as I've been so blessed to, to know January for, for now a decade, and when I first encountered her, you know, after you know, working in the church for a number of years, when I encountered what God was doing in and through her, I was baffled mm -hmm. because I said, Lord, this, this is what I so desperately need. And I was blessed to come from a wonderful family and a beautiful mother and beautiful examples. And yet I met my own crisis just because our world has shifted so quickly. And that was working in the church mm -hmm. and um, in encountering January's work of this how-to, which I think unshackles women to walk into their freedom, to respond to our Lord and our Lady's grace in the world but also the timing, because January has been laboring to give birth to the woman's school for over two decades. Mm -hmm. And yet in his mercy and his goodness at the precise moment when our world, I would venture to say has never been in a darker place. He has, he has unleashed the woman's school and her, her very, you know, the very vision is that our lady is raising an army of women. And the fact that we're in the midst of the second uh, largest, if not the first largest with with St. Maximilian Kolbe, um, uh, movement towards Marian, consecro Marian consecration, and then that, that the step of consecration to St. Joseph as well, which is happening right now, which I know you also speak to to a great degree. This, this movement that's happening, where literally, you know, we're trying to unleash women's light in the world. And the height, uh, as we're working on this basic human formation, the culmination of who we are as women is our spiritual motherhood as little icons of Mary in the world. And I think of, of the work, I love how you laid that out in our plan of life, the spiritual and the natural work that is necessary. And that's so much of our, our work in the woman's school is, is doing the work, the application and practice of acquiring and, and mastering these virtues with God's grace. Um, 
is that we'll be able to help give our fiat, which gives our lady permission to unleash her grace in our lives, in our families, and then in the world. And so that's again where Edith Stein and her brilliance, you know, that vision that, that, are, that just came to me as well is, you know, as each individual beloved daughter and woman makes that journey towards wholeness, she becomes a pillar that her family can lean against, then the community can lean against the families, uh, you know, the, 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 you know church. the church will be able to lean against the restored family and the domestic church. And then our world will finally be able to lean against the church and be made whole. Yeah, it's, it's that big. It's I, that big. I, 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 I agree. It's that big. But, you know, the, the mother always does it woman at a time. One right? person at a time. One person at a time. So, but no, you, you, you're actually, it, it's just right on the mark, Angela, what you're saying. And, you know, I think there's, God willing, a new awareness of the gap and let's go to the church level. You know, Cardinal Ratzinger, and I don't want to get too theological with this, but, you know, he said five reasons why we need Mary. This is a book back in 1984. And one, he said, if you don't have Mary in the church, it just becomes a uh, kind of a, a patriarchal structure. And it's very true. It just, it's a structure, but without a mother, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, John Paul II said the same thing. It becomes, without Mary, the church just becomes an ideology, meaning it's just, it's Buddhism. It's a, it's a list of wise rules. Mm -hmm. That's not what the church is. The church is the fact that the second person of the Trinity loves us so much he became man through a mother and died on the cross physically so that we could have redemption. That's not a bunch of wise sayings. That's radical love uh, through a woman. I mean, Fulton Sheen said, when, when, when Mary is at the foot of the cross and all the people around, only one could, person could look up and point at the cross and say, this is my body. This is my blood. Mm. Not a priest, but a mother. Not John the apostle, but a mother. Because she gave him the flesh to die for us. I mean, can we not see how absolutely integral motherhood is to the whole plan of redemption. And that, that there's no exaggeration. So, you know, sometimes when you hear about saying, well, women have to regain their role in the church, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is, oh gosh, here's another group of women who wanna be priests. That's a lie from hell. That, that's, that's a nice way to skirt the issue. Right. Faithful women don't have any desire to do that. That's, that's, that's a red herring, which really Satan brings forward to prevent us from seeing there's a gaping void in the church. And the void is a void of women loving and affirming, using their feminine genius. And I want to say, too, as a, as a, a quick aside, but very important, the human formation that, that you're doing here, I don't at all mean to imply that well, just do your adoration time. You'll get healed. That'll all happen on its own. Not at all. Uh, it deserves a true study, true effort, true, um, uh, true uh, organization of the human formation. So grace can't perfect nothing. Grace has to perfect nature. If the nature isn't there, 
the grace will be prevented in that process. So I, I strongly applaud the need for human formation. Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has been very vocal about the need to get women in the church in, in the proper roles. And that, in, that includes heads of congregations. Mm -hmm. I think every Vatican congregation should have a clear presence of women to give insight that men are not naturally going to be disposed to seeing right. because they're more universal, they're more structural. It might be as much as, you know, in that last meeting, um, I don't think you heard what, what he said. Mm -hmm. And I think what he said could save many, many, many souls. Mm -hmm. And so could we readdress that? So it's the personal gift. Mm -hmm. Cardinal uh, Ouellette, head of the Congregation of Bishops, just said, I want women more involved with priestly formation mm -hmm. because they need that. Sometimes having a group of guys together uh, can be a very lonely experience when all that backslapping is done. And look, I love being a man. There's no issues there. And I love masculinity. I'm just saying, as John Paul said, it wasn't supposed to be just one sex, yeah. even with the misuse of the word gender, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be male and female. It wasn't complete with Adam. So we need that in the church desperately. Uh, there's a wonderful movement called Mothers of the Church, what I, which I strongly applaud and, and encourage. Uh, that's uh, coming forward from uh, Anna Lay Apostle, uh, which very much focuses on women formation to be truly feminine, which you know always means courage to get away from all the stereotypes mm -hmm. and to get away from these false objections. All oh, these ladies are disgruntled; they they really want more power. Mm -hmm. That's a waste of all of our time. The church needs women now. Mm -hmm. Now we need you now with all of your gifts. Yes. And there's got to be enough respect to say a woman that's asking that question is not looking for a promotion. No. She's not looking for a title. She's not looking for a Roman collar. She's looking to love in a church that is in desperate need of love and insight and personal specific uh, um, uh, uh, filling in the gaps which men tend to leave yeah which i think my own opinion dr maravalli is that our our voices haven't been heard in the church mm -hmm. because of the lie that it's supposed to be usurped and in some ways there hasn't been a voice of accountability that i think would have been necessary to remind male that no actually we need the heart we need to nurture and so and and it goes back to how I, I'm realizing how massive the work of women is. For some reason, it you just plopped it on me, <laughs> in a way where it's making sense. Because if our mother is 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 giving us, you know, the suffering mother, the the to nourish and to protect. But if women don't understand on a very human level what suffering is, because of the '70s and that nobody suffered for them, therefore they don't even understand how to give it. So it's almost as though we have to bring it so much back to the basic in order for some hope of redemption mm -hmm. that the only way we are going to see that air of obedience or that light is that if we bring back mm -hmm. women to the heart of who woman is, which is truly what this, you know, what you've just kind of outlined is co-redemptrix, which is a massive work because to me, 
it is so both, you know, spiritual and human because I can't get adoration if I don't even know how to say no to Facebook or TV or have boundaries or build a rhythm of life or protect the harmony of my home so I can be at peace and present Mm -hmm. in prayer because prayer becomes an anxious space. So my mind right now is blown in a sense that we both are leading kind of needs to be like a, we need to be sandwiched by a lady. It's almost like in order to receive this restoration of peace that our lady promised in Fatima, we need to understand the suffering mother, nourishing mother, but we also need her to teach us the nature of what suffering is in a very human level. So it's kind of massive. I I mean, (laughs) that's kind of what I'm realizing. (laughs) Well, you know, January, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the need, but going back to your strength and to Our Lady's strength, it always happens small and personal. Yes. It always happens. It's her, you know, notice when Mary said to the angel, her only one question, which was not a doubt, how would this be since I know not man? Mm. The spirit didn't say, okay, well, let me outline this for you because it's going to be massive. <laughs> We're talking about universal redemption and it's going to be all on you. Yeah. What did the spirit say? Oh. What, what did the angel say? The angel said, excuse me, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Yes. And ladies, I'd say the same thing to you. Yes. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Mm. And the mother will take your efforts and she will multiply them as only she can. We only have to be faithful and realize it's not our thing anyway. It's her thing. And she, the moment we, we start getting away from the personal and individual and start going to the, to the kind of the structural, then I think it would be a loss of the great sublime, irreplaceable gift of femininity. It's really Yes. Powerful. And we could probably wrap it up there, Dr. Mavali, because I think there's books to be written by you <laughs> on this. <laughs> now who's laying loads on, January? Well, I am hungry for it because, <laughs> you know, I think that we're, we're beginning our work. And, and like you say, you know, in the women's school, it's, it's we're building a church of the formation of women, one woman at a time from the inside out is, is really, you know, raising an army from the inside out. And so, I really want to honor you, Dr. Maravalli, for your, I would say, both patience and persistence in this work because you had to be patient and yet so persistent and in some ways so real and in the way I think you have made Our Lady available, but so deep. <laughs> and and like, I feel like I'm taking notes all over again and having to go back, but I, I honor your your yes because I think we need both, you know, I, I, we need the heart of, of man to understand the heart of woman. And thank you for being a man, really redeeming our lady in today's mm-hmm. culture. Um, and for all our listeners, um, you know, I just invite you to, I think, ponder the heart of our lady in context of those, you know, the suffering mother, the nourishing mother and the, and the protector in context of our domestic church and i think we will do the same because i think there lies i think perhaps the hope right of of humanity and and i think that we it begins in our own personal intimate relationship with our lady so 
Thank you, Dr. Marvali. Hope we have to have you again. And I know I want to honor your time and everyone else's time, but um, thank you for plopping a bigger mission after this podcast in a beautiful way. And that, I think that the most beautiful part is that we just say yes today. And that's where I am. You know, I was like, today's my only yes. Tomorrow, God could take anything. And, and so thank you, doctor. Do you have any last words for us? Um, you know, we praise God. It's just, I, I, uh, sincerely ladies, both of you really inspire me. It's, it's uh, and, and you're a wonderful compliment. And I'm not saying that for anything, but that I believe that. And many years back, John Paul II said something that stirred me. I'll just leave it on this. He said, if men do not speak out about the dignity of woman and their role, and if women are in the first sense, putting their families first, then it will fall silent. And that's why men have to do their roles to articulate uh, the truth and the love of what you are doing as women, so that while you're doing what you should be doing, the truth about woman, the whole truth about woman is known. So, so I, I, I thank you for the honor of being on your program and for all that you do. God bless you. Oh, thank you, Dr. Mavali. Thank you so much, Dr. Mavali. We look forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely. God bless you and your family. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I'll see you in the Rosary Rock. That's <laughs> where <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mavali sees my kids. We're trying to do a rosary with many little children. <laughs> and so, thank you, Doc. Have a great night. Okay. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, as a woman becomes whole, she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.